Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Welcome back, mining community. Hope we're all well. Uh, we have another episode, and we have a returning guest who first appeared back in July 2019, which was episode 36. So um, after listening to this, please go back and uh, revisit that episode. So we have Jeff Quartermain, who's the Managing Director and CEO of Pusiris Mining, who are a rapidly growing West African gold producer, developer, and explorer who currently operate three gold mines in Ghana and Cote d'Ivoire. Jeff has been with Pasiris for over 12 years um, and has more than 30 years uh, experience in senior corporate, financial and strategic management roles with AXS and TXS listed resources companies involving operations in Australia, as well as countries in Asia Pacific, South America and West Africa. Um, He's here today to give us an update on the tremendous progress the company's achieved uh, over the last two and a half years um, and what the outlook is for the company over the next few years. So that's welcome, Jeff, uh, to the podcast. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm doing pretty well. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, and I appreciate you uh, coming back on the show. So a lot of things have obviously happened over the last two and a half years. Um, so for those that haven't didn't, haven't listened to the, the first episode that we recorded, I want to give us a, just a brief overview of yourself um, and of the company. Oh, okay. Well, look, I mean, from my point of view, I've been the CEO of Perseus now for, since 2013. Prior to doing that, I was the CFO for a while and uh, and sort of moved into this business. So I've been at it now for, you know, near enough to 10 years uh, in this particular role. Uh, it's been an interesting journey for us. We've come from being a, a an exploration company, essentially, to uh, um, first of all, have one mine, then two and three mines as we speak today. So we've moved from being a, a junior explorer to uh, a mid-tier gold producer and, uh, you know, in the space of about well, 10 to 12 years. So it's been a very interesting journey and, um, you know, one that we thoroughly enjoyed, but it's been a, a fair bit of hard work along the way. Yeah. Um, like I said, we spoke two and a half years ago. You outlined some exciting plans that you had for the company uh, relating to development of your third mine. Um, how did those plans turn out? And how was how was um, your execution impacted by obviously uh, COVID? Yeah, well, look, uh, you know, in in short, it turned out really well. I think when when we last spoke, it would have been in um, what did we say uh, two nineteen around the middle of yep. two nineteen, and and we just really begun construction at that time um, of our third mine. COVID at that stage of the game wasn't even a thing, so uh, that didn't come into play until about March uh, twenty, and by then we were were well into construction. Um, now you know we we managed to to work through all that um, and still finish the uh, the development of the of the operation ahead of schedule and under budget, which was a a pretty fair achievement, uh, you know, given everything that was going on um, at that particular time. Um, we we poured the first gold in the mine on the seventeenth of December, uh, twenty twenty, and uh, declared commercial production at the end of March, twenty twenty one. Now, um, you know, we were very happy with the way the construction went, very happy with the way the uh, commissioning went and been absolutely delighted uh, with the way the, the company, the mine has operated ever since then. I mean, in the, the June half, we 
produce something like uh, 59,000 ounces of gold. Uh, in the December half, we produced 140,000. So that was a pretty, uh, you know, rapid rapid increase, got us up to a couple hundred or 299,000 ounces by um, in calendar 21. And all of that came at a um, an all-in-site cost of $760 an ounce. Now, um, you know, during that period of time, of course, um, we have been fortunate to see that the gold price has been moving strongly in our favour. And, 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 you know, so in fact, the timing of the development of this third mine uh, couldn't have been better from that point of view. Um, what we've also done in the last 12 months or so has come to realise just how good this uh, Yayori uh, mine and, and district is in terms of the, uh, the mineral, um, mineral endowment. And we've been doing quite a bit of exploring there in recent times and uh, delineating new reserves and looks very much to me that uh, as if we will uh, be uh, mining at Yayori uh, for many, many years to come. So that's that's really been quite pleasing. In terms of the, the COVID thing, I mean, you know, in the West, obviously, COVID has, uh, you know, had a very major impact on the way people have gone about their business. It, in, in, in uh, you know, West Africa, you know, to people's surprise, it has not been um, as dramatic as, as what we might have thought. It, whether that's a function of just simply the genetics or, you know, the robustness of the population to infection or what, I don't know. But um, certainly we haven't seen massive levels of infection. In fact, in the first year of, of the COVID uh, pandemic, we didn't have a single case of, of COVID at all at any of the sites. Now, part of the reason for that was that we did implement a, a very strict um, system of, of, of managing the, the, the situation. A number of our people had worked previously in Guinea and, and Liberia and the like during the uh, Ebola epidemic, so they were well-versed in how you manage these sort of situations. Now, at the end of the first year, we did start to ease back on the restrictions and we did see a few cases come, come, come in, but nothing that had really knocked the business around. Where, where it is starting to bite, though, I suppose, and this is not particular to West Africa, in fact, it's, it's right around the world, is that you know, the cost of spare parts and uh, steel goods, freight, et cetera, et cetera, are starting, is starting to increase. And you can see that in the cost structure of a lot of uh, mining companies around the world. So, you know, in a sense, the, that is the indirect result of the, of the, the COVID pandemic where uh, industry has suffered, uh, you know, outside. But, you know, it's been an interesting journey. But um, what we have done, of course, as I say, is bring on our third mine. That was the second mine that we'd built uh, in, in four years. And now we put ourselves into a position where we're producing around a half million ounces of gold a year and generating somewhere in the order of three to four hundred million of cash flow from our operations each year. So we've managed to build a fairly, uh, fairly, uh, uh, you know, robust, healthy com company, um, you know, over the space of that 10 years or so. And uh, just uh, just um, obviously mentioning COVID and the last, uh, obviously, couple of years, how has um, travel being for maybe some of your senior management or any expats that you do employ to travel between Australia and Africa, obviously with what has been going on in Australia with border closures. Um, how, how difficult has that been? Have you, how have you got around that? Well, it hasn't been too difficult to get out of the country. Getting into the country has been the challenge because there's been limited, um, limited uh, you know, seats available on aircraft and things of that nature. And also then when you would arrive back in Australia, you needed to quarantine in hotels, which was uh, not a particularly pleasant experience. I know that from having done it myself. Um, so, look, uh, it, it has been something of a restriction. And, um, 
you know, what we've had to do is to manage that very, very carefully. Um, guys that were on regular rosters, the rosters have become a little bit longer. But people like me who, you know, visit the sites and visit the countries, I mean, I've been out, I've done three journeys since June last year. So, you know, we manage it reasonably well. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the task of travelling these days is, is quite involved. We've got it down pretty pat right now, know what we need to do, but it's not for the faint-hearted. You need to really have your, your act together in terms of having your paperwork ready to go and knowing what's going to go on and also be very flexible because airlines can change their rosters at a moment's notice. So it, it has been, a, you know, a bit of a challenge. It has added some cost to the business, but it hasn't been an insurmountable problem and, you know, we're all vaccinated and take proper precautions and, you know, we get on with business. Um, sounds like you're obviously now in a position to sort of generate more substantial cash flows in the coming years. Um, but what is your strategic vision for the company? Um, and where do you want to be uh, in sort of 10 years' time? And how do you sort of plan to get there? Well, yes, we are generating a lot of cash. And I think what we have done, you know, over the last 10 years is build a very, very strong platform from which to, to grow and to leverage. So over the next uh, 10 years or so, what we want to do is to take advantage of all of that hard work that's been done by a very large group of people. And um, I, I think what we would look to do is to continue to grow, either or both organically and inorganically. So we've mounted um, some very strong exploration programs, spending a good deal of money on, on looking for uh, making discoveries through the drill bit um, and with, with some real success, I might add. And in addition to that, we look around at, at various M&A opportunities to see where there are, you know, assets that makes, would, might make sense for us to, to join up with the company. For instance, if a, a small company has a very good asset but lacks cash or the technical know-how to bring a, a property on stream, that's where we can, we can certainly assist because we do have cash flow, we do have the, the capability of building successful projects and then, of course, operating them. So that's the sort of thing we'd be looking for. Now, in 10 years' time, goodness knows who, 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 you know, where we're going to be and uh, who's going to be there. But I'd like to think that, that Perseus will be in business in 10 years' time and will be operating four to five gold mines in Africa and, uh, and, and generating a lot of benefits for all of our stakeholders, not just shareholders, but the people who host us in their countries, the people who work in our mines, and the people who supply us goods and services. Um, the ESG lobby has been growing rapidly in recent years. Um, how does this impact on Perseus' business and how are you responding to increasing stringent demands from uh, some sector of the investment community? Well, it's an, interesting, it's an interesting matter, actually. I mean, for us, the ESG lobby is, is kind of, um, it's interesting because, frankly, we've been observing these things forever. It's always been part of our DNA. What we haven't done very well, I suspect, is to is to talk about it. We've tended to go under the radar on the sorts of things that we've been doing. It's always been very clear to us that we are guests in other people's countries. And as such, we needed to manage our business in a way that was not going to damage the environment or to breach regulations or, or laws uh, or to disadvantage in any shape or form the people who were good enough to host us in their community. So, you know, for us, our social license to operate has been a key feature of what we've sought to build over time. Now, you know, in the last couple of years, um, people have put a label on that. They call it ESG. And so from our point of view, it's like, well, yeah, that's what we've always been doing. Perhaps uh, 
not doing it the way that um, that other people now might say is the standard way. So what we actually are doing, we're not ignoring the the the, the requirements. We are working uh, strenuously to make sure that right across our business, we operate at the best standards that we can possibly adhere to. So um, you know we've looked globally at what the what where the benchmarks are, and then we've gone and assessed exactly what we're doing. We've done gap analysis and set out a journey for, for about three years, which we believe will bring us up to to the global standards and put us into a position that you know, we'll compare favourably to any of our peers. I think we're already in that area in many respects, but we can always do better. Um, obviously, your growth over the last few years has been outstanding. So what do you uh, put this down to and have has there been any major drivers for your success? Oh, well, look, I mean, you know, it, it's pretty simple, really. We, we've done a lot of hard work and been somewhat lucky in a sense. I mean, you know, luck does play a part in it. But I think also, too, we, you know, we did... Um, you know, we've got some very experienced people on our board and in our management team, and and you know, we've all witnessed um, you know the way various co- other companies have operated over a period of time. We've seen the good and the bad, and what we've tried to do in our business is learn from the mistakes of others, or you know, things that didn't work so well in other other places, and make sure that we, as a, a group of people, have, have avoided some of those pitfalls. I might say, you know, it's it's. Um, you know, it's not without its challenges. I mean, every day is a new day and and uh, we have a bit of a saying in our place, you know, never a dull moment, and it's absolutely true. So I, I think the thing, though, is that has counted a lot is that we are very resilient. We don't get knocked off course that easily. And I think that now through that experience, we're reasonably able to respond to challenges very quickly and, and be able to address those problems when they arise. But, um, you know, it, 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 what I guess the best the most the strongest lesson that I've learned over the 10 years is is how little I know. You know, I think a big mistake that, that Western companies make when they go to um, developing countries or the like is to think that it's the same operating there as it is at your home, and uh, and that's very definitely the, not the case. And so I think one of the important things is to be able to to go into places where we go, listen to what is being said, respect differences, and try and find ways of making making things work within those, that framework. It's been very important for us to do that, and I think that that's been a key to to the success we've had today. Yeah, and I suppose it's like any business. Any business, it's it's the people that that manage and run the business, um, and it's how you respond to challenges. Um, obviously, the, we're involved in mining, so you've got assets, but it's I suppose it's ultimately the people. Um, that are running the company and running the, the assets um, that determine how successful a business is going to be and the challenges that you're faced. It seems obviously yeah. you guys have you guys have done that. Well, look, it's it's a, it's a critical part of it. I mean, I say, I say there are five things that you need for a successful business. You need physical assets, you need human assets, you need financial assets, you need markets, and you need a social license to operate. Now, if any one of those things is missing, then your business is going to struggle. So, you know, if you don't have a good team of people, then it doesn't matter how good the assets are or how strong your social licence is or how much money you've got, you probably won't be successful. And the same thing can be said if you don't have a social licence or you don't have money, you're going to struggle. So those five pillars are extremely important to be maintained at all time and to be and to maintain the strength of it and, and certainly you know, people is a, is a super important piece of the business as far as we are concerned. 
Um, how do you see the mining industry sort of developing in Africa over the next decade? Um, and what jurisdictions do you see as big growth areas? Well, it's a really interesting question, that a very interesting question. And it would take a very long time to answer, but but let me just say this that particularly, you know, I'm using my experience in West Africa, and I think you could probably um, you know, extend that to other parts. One of the biggest problems that uh, the African countries have is, is high population growth and trying to generate sufficient income to be able to give all of those people a, a quality of life that that uh, that they feel that that they deserve. Now, um, you know, what that means then is, is you're going to have significant competition for land use, whether it's mining or agriculture or industry or anything of that nature. Now, I think that um, there's no doubt that mining has a very important part to play, um, both in terms of the formal mining sector and, let's just say, the small-scale mining sector. I think both the formal mining sector and the small-scale mining sector can coexist very comfortably and, in fact, can learn from each other. Where where this gets a little bit, the water gets very muddied, though, is when that small-scale mining sector gets infiltrated by criminals or foreign nationals who have a different agenda and who don't respect the laws and 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 uh, the like of lands and i think they create um you know significant friction with other land users so if you look at ghana for instance where the galamsey the so-called galamsey i mean I, I call them illegal miners in many instances you know have have polluted water streams waterways very badly and created health issues downstream or dammed up creeks and rivers and, you know, destroyed farming land. That, that sort of business actually, you know, is, is seriously problematic. I think the formal mining sector, the sector that I belong to, we belong to, knows how to manage that situation reasonably well. And the ESG requirements we talked about before dictate that we must observe, you know, those sorts of things, making sure that we don't impact negatively upon the environment or in the society. So I think that, look, there's going to be tension along the way as to, you know, the development of um, large mines, <clears throat> particularly where farmers are displaced or, or, or people other, you know, using are displaced. Um, I do think there is a place for mining in, in all of these economies. So um, not only in terms of, of, of providing um, taxation revenue, but also in terms of employment, um, skilling, upskilling of people, educating people. That's- Sorry about that. Oops, sorry, we'll turn that one off. Um, sorry about that. Um, yeah, you know, there's a, there's very definitely a role for for, um, for for mining companies to play in the in the development of those countries. Now, which of those countries are going to, you know, be be most respective? Well, look, I think the um, the one area that is of interest to us, of course, uh, is the Nubian Shield area in northeastern Africa. Um, this is is one of the last. Uh, you know, relatively underexplored um, uh, environments, probably underexplored for a very good reason, and that is that, um, you know, the geopolitics of that region over the last 30 or 40 years has been less stable than, say, in, 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 um, in other parts of Africa. But nevertheless, the mineral endowment over there is enormous, it would appear, and I think that um, over the next few years, both the Nubian Shield and the, the Saudi Shield will attract a lot of interest from from mining companies. And I think that what we're seeing is that those host countries are very, very keen to encourage miners to come to their countries 
and to participate in in the growth and development of those regions. So, look, I think it's a you know it's an interesting it's an interesting time. Um, there are you know challenges all around, um, and as I say, conflict, uh, land use, etc., um, impact on environment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, all of those things are very re- uh, very important. But I do believe that there is a, a path to be charted through all that, and that, that you know mining companies like ours will find success in in future years by by doing the right thing by by all of our stakeholders. Yeah. Um, as a um, as a conclusion, just wonder what the next twelve to eighteen months uh, looks like. Obviously, in the in the shorter term. <laughs> well, well, look. I think the next twelve to eighteen months, what we'll be what we'll be seeking to do is to continue doing what we're doing, and then do it a little bit better. Um, we, we look to grow a little more, um, to continue the really uh, strong operating performance we've had over the last few years, and to continue to uh, to create benefits all around. Jeff, really appreciate your time. Um, obviously, you've done uh, obviously achieved a lot in the last two and a half years, and um, like you to obviously come back on the podcast maybe next year to give us a further update. Um, if our audience wants to sort of reach out to you or want to follow the services journey. Um, how can I go about doing that? Do you uh, are you across any social media platforms? Oh yeah, well no, we we obviously have a website and um, uh, which is www.perseusmining.com, and we do uh, put out a, quite a lot of material onto under uh, the various social media platforms these days. I mean, and and of course market releases that uh, that go uh, onto the um, ASX and TSX exchanges. But uh, you know, we're a fairly accessible company. And uh, we do put a bit of information out there, and um, always happy to uh, you know to talk to people if they uh, if they uh, you know want to engage us a little bit further. Yeah, Jeff, appreciate your time and wish you uh, continued success. And um, audience, appreciate your time for listening. Um, can I appreciate you can also share this episode with uh, others in the industry, um, wherever you are in the world. Um, it's a great st- story that series has gone through over the last two and a half years. Um, and it just shows you what you can do as a junior miner um, with the right people, the right asset, and how you can grow your uh, junior mining company. So until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.